How y'all today? Good. Good. We've been doing some work on our sound system to, to make it better, and in making it better, there's got to be adjustments here and there, and so uh, um, just pray for a sound guy. He's got one of the, the toughest jobs there is, um, because it seems like these electronics always do strange things, and uh, so that being said, we're going to get going. First of all, I want to thank you all for praying for me, um, and my sister is doing okay, uh, best as can be when losing her husband. Um, David was 60 years old and just fell asleep and died in his sleep. Very peaceful. Uh, my sister has a lot to do. She's uh, well. She's got a good support group. Um, David's family was, uh, or his brother lives next, lives next door, and lots of his family are there. They're believers, and they are very, very supportive of my sister, and I'm real thankful for that. And I'm thankful for your prayers. That's a uh, a blessing. I needed to be with my sister that day. Um, also, I want to encourage you um, to come tonight. Uh, again, if you've been visiting or want to get to know me, we'll go spend some time telling you about myself and my wife and family, uh, what sunshine, history of sunshine, uh, where we're at, where we're going to go, where we've been, where we're at, where we're going to go. Uh, we'll talk too about what it takes in, to uh, join as a partner or as a member of our church. And uh, we'll talk about lots of things. And then I'll answer any questions I can. So uh, we'll be here tonight. It's probably going to be pizza and stuff like that. Uh, I was thinking Chick-fil-A, but Chick-fil-A's closed today. So, yeah, well, anyway, we will definitely uh, work on that. Uh, <laughs> you will turn your Bibles to Mark um, chapter 9. Um, Mark 9. Uh, also, I want to encourage you to come next week to the uh, uh, Friday night and Saturday for the Disciples Making Disciples. Um, the way, what you're going to be taught is being used all over the world in making disciples and in sometimes in making house churches. And, uh, you know, the word for this year is prepare. So we need to be prepared to share what we know and prepared to, to do whatever it takes to continue on following our Lord's command to um, love God, love people, and to make disciples who make disciples. And uh, this will be a great conference. You'll learn something. And um, I can tell you the, the people teaching, um, Lee goes all over the world teaching this. And I've known Lee, wow, I met him in Bible college. He actually rented a room from us at one time. We've, <laughs> we have a, a, a long history together, and he's quite entertaining when he talks. Uh, you better be able to listen fast when he talks because he's, he's amazing. So, But I want to encourage you to be part of that and uh, um, bring friends. Um, I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's an amazing concept that you're going to learn. And uh, by the way, every one of us can do that. You don't have to have a Bible college degree to tell somebody what you know already. Did you realize that? Some of you come from a tradition where you've got to go to the pastor, you've got to go to the, uh, the clergy of some sort to be able to get any answers. Well, no, you already have answers. And uh, um, uh, you're, you're, it's called priesthood of the believer. And uh, so, anyway, just a little bit of lay, laying some down. All right, Mark uh, chapter 9. We're going to read verses 14 to 29. <clears throat> it says, And when they came... 
uh, and when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to, uh, running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have bought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And whithersoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples, and they, could, they should uh, cast him out, and they could not. He answered him, answereth him, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus saith unto him, said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible, him that believeth. And straightway the father, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the spirit uh, that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore, and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that he said, that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Wow, what an amazing passage and, and, and some amazing points here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through kind of the passage, and then I want to bring you into some things that will help you and help me on a daily basis. So it starts here, we see that... that um, uh, Jesus is coming down. Now, if you remember a couple weeks ago when we were talking, we were, he was at the Mount of Transfiguration along with Peter and James and John, and he became glorified. They saw him glorified, and they also saw Moses and Elijah, and they're all coming back from this. So Jesus has been away from his disciples, the rest of the disciples, for a while. We don't know how long that is, but it's a pretty good walk. Um, and then as he's coming back, one of the first things they noticed was that, that he looked different. He, they were amazed at how he looked. Must be some of that glory still shining off of him. Um, and, and so what we're going to see here today, we see Jesus coming back. And, and there are people there all around and they're, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're upset. Because they're trying to cast out a demon and there's just not a, they're not able to do it. So Jesus, like he always does, steps in to solve a problem. 
See, he had given to the 12, he had given them authority over devils. He even gave more. He gave 70 people authority over them. And that they were to go out by faith to cast them out. And he told them uh, that their success, and they came back and they told him of all their success and, and, and everything. And, and I wonder if they got so successful at doing all these things that Jesus has empowered them to do that they quit depending on him. I want you to think about this for a minute. Jesus was away, so their, their source, really their source of power wasn't with them. And they started depending on themselves to do, take care of these things. You ever tried to depend on yourself to take care of things that were way out of your ability to take care of? See, I think they might have got a little bit puffed up with pride. And they got a little bit, a little too self-confident in their own flesh and their own abilities and their own, uh, own selves. And they think it might have messed them up a little bit. So they have this problem. We see that in verses 16 to, to 22. That this, this, this young man, this boy, he was deaf and he was dumb and it, it almost sounds like he was epileptic. This demon was, was taken over and he was just wearing that, that boy out. And, and the father brought that boy to, the, to the, the disciples. And the disciples kept trying and nothing happened and, and, and the father started losing his faith. You can see that when the, when the father says... Um, when they ask, and he asked the father um, about it, and the, the father goes, well, maybe you can help me. We'll get a little bit more than that, a little, a little bit ahead of time. The kid was in a bad shape. And he goes on, and he says, that, and, and Jesus goes, oh, faithless generation. That word generation indicates that Jesus, uh, acts, he was just exasperated. It, it wasn't merely with the father and the disciples, but all with all the unbelieving scribes and all the unbelieving who were there. There were no doubt gloating over disciples. Remember the scribes and the Pharisees? They, didn't, they weren't Jesus' friends. They were always looking to put him down. They were always looking to, to, to make things bad for him. And yeah, see, yep, told you he wasn't really who he said he is. He wasn't, the, he can't. There's your scribes. And Jesus goes, oh, man. Oh, man. Psalm 95, Tim, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways. Do you think maybe sometimes we fall into that a little bit? Well, Jesus, like always, he steps in and solves the problem. Verses 25 to 27. And when uh, Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried, and rent him sore, and it came out of him, and he was not he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. So in that problem, you have the, the faithless generation, the father who's lost faith because the, the, the children or the, the disciples couldn't cast out the demon. He goes to Jesus, well, I, can you do this? Then he prays out, can you just help my belief? Because Jesus said, if you believe, anything's possible. So Jesus goes and he cast out this, this, this demon. And when he cast out this demon, there's a lesson taught. Mark 9, 28 and 29. 
And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Uh, Warren Wiersbe says this, The main lesson of this miracle is the power of faith to overcome the enemy. Why had the nine disciples failed? Because they had been careless in their personal spiritual walk and had neglected prayer and fasting. The authority that Jesus had given them was effective only if exercised by faith. But faith must be cultivated through spiritual discipline and devotion. It may be the absence of their Lord or his taking the three disciples with him and leaving them behind had dampened their spiritual fervor and diminished their faith. Not only did their failure embarrass them, but it also robbed the Lord of glory and gave the enemy opportunity to criticize. It is our faith in him that glorifies God. So here's the lesson for us. As we live our lives, are we weak in our faith? When difficulties come, challenges come our way, how do we respond to that? Do we get frustrated? Do we get, do we get down? Do we feel defeated? Are people around us, well, you're a believer. You should be able to have all, you should have all this taken care of. You should have all these answers. What's going on? What, what? Are the doubters out there criticizing us because of how we respond to the difficulties that we, we face? Jesus said, with, if we have faith, if we believe, all things are possible. Here's what I want to tell you. We have to depend upon the power of Christ. That power comes to us when we receive the gospel. I want you to understand, everything is always tied back to the gospel. It always comes down to the fact that Jesus died on a cross, was buried, and rose again to take away our sin. And when you believe on Jesus, well, we, we have a couple things that disciples didn't, in that we are justified immediately. A uh, little term, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. I want you to get this picture. Paul talks about it so much in Romans. And, and, and I need to lay this groundwork before I get into the rest of the message. When you receive Christ, you have been justified by Christ's sacrifice. When God looks at you, he doesn't see you as you. He doesn't see your sin, the sin that was past. He doesn't see the sin that you're committing now. And he doesn't see the sin that's in the future. He sees you just as Jesus Christ. You've been justified by him. In that same time when you believe on Christ, you are sanctified. That means you are set apart. Now that practical sanctification as it comes out in our life is a process. But you have been set apart by God to something holy. And everything comes back to, to that grace that comes when we humble ourselves. And we realize that we are helpless. That we cannot justify ourselves before a holy God. That nothing we can do. Nothing we can say, nothing we can, we cannot perform our way to any pleasure with God because we're imperfect. 
We are all sinners. And that incredible love that God gives us, that incredible grace, it shows up in His grace and that, that He allowed His Son to die on the cross and be buried and rose again so that we could be justified. And we can't earn it. It is a gift. Everything always ties back to that. And we have got to keep that in the forefront of our minds. You see, <clears throat> I don't behave well because I have a list of things to do to how to behave and look like a good Christian. And I'm going to tell you, most people love just give me a list. If I keep that list, I'll be good. But see, that's what the Pharisees did. They kept the list. And were they good? No, man, they had pride, they had pride issues. They had all sorts of issues. They looked down on everybody. They were uh, self-righteous above all. And, and, and see, I don't want to give you, I'm going to give you a list in a few minutes. I just want you to understand that doing the list is not what's going to help you. It's the love of Jesus Christ and your response to his love. I've used this illustration more, uh, more often than you can ever imagine. My cousin's Fran here, Fran's here. She'll, under, she'll understand this. Our Gramps was an incredible lady. And she never had to, to, to uh, threaten us, or she never really had to beat us unless we, unless we got really bad. Most times she would just come and say, you broke my heart. And we loved her so much that we just don't want to break Gramps' heart. Uh, or or we, we don't want her to find out the things we did that broke her heart. <laughs> we loved her so much that we would obey her. And she loved us. She showed that love toward us. And I'm, let me tell you something, I want to love Jesus so much that, that I have the desire to obey him at all times. That's the right response. It's not because I have to, because I can't. Probably the most spiritual guy in the New Testament aside of Jesus is Apostle Paul. And if you ever read Romans 7, you're going to find out that the Apostle Paul, <clears throat> just like you, was a mess. He did all those things that he didn't want to do. I'm paraphrasing. All those things he didn't want to do. And all those things that he wanted to do, he didn't do those. And he goes, whoa, unto me. You ever feel that way? Don't you understand our response to the Lord Jesus, our love from him, we are going to be obedient to him because we love him. We're going to do the best we can, not because we have to, because we can, because he loves us, and we're going to respond to somebody who loves you. So with that being said, let me tell you how that we can learn to depend upon the power of Christ. Just one major point with 12 underneath. We have to increase our faith through spiritual disciplines. Mark 9, 29, and he saith unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. So what's a spiritual discipline? I looked it up on the internet. That was good. I found all sorts of things. I found a list of four, six, ten, and twelve. So I just went with the whole twelve. And let me, let me explain some of these things. This is all, they're all kind of interconnected. As we go through these spiritual disciplines, I want you to understand that, that, once again, these are responses 
to Jesus' love. And we're going, to, we're, we're, not, we're going to commit to doing these things and growing our faith because we love him and because he's going to love us through these disciplines. See, we're just getting closer to our Lord. That's where we depend on the power. Remember, he had been gone from the disciples. He had been up with the, with the three on the mountains. They weren't really connected. We have to be totally connected. Oh, by the way, disciples didn't have the Holy Spirit. We receive Christ. We have the Holy Spirit living inside us. So that power is right there. We just got to let that power up. Here's how we develop that faith, how we develop that power. First spiritual dis discipline, study. Okay, I don't know that these are quite in order. I would have said from the text, prayer would have been number one. But this guy that I took these from, he wanted study number one. Here's the scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Study. Study. Here's what this study thing's all about. You know, I want to get to know, many years ago, I, I met this girl named Cynthia. I wasn't real sure about her. Then I asked her out, and I know she wasn't real sure about me. And we started getting to know each other, and I wanted to get her to know her more, and, I want, and more, and more. And a few months after we started dating, I wanted to know her so much that we got married. And we had been married for a long time. And every day, I want to get to know her more. I want to know, I want to know when she needs a candy bar. You know, she has a new thing she likes, and they're, they're not around a lot. I found some in a gas station on the way back from Georgia. Um, they're payday bars that are dipped in chocolate. Chocolate and peanuts? Yeah. That's got to be something heavenly, but I'm not a, I, I've not tried them. I'm not, that's not the thing that I go for. Uh, but she likes them. She saves them. I want to get to know her. How do I get to know her? I study her. I watch her. I talk to her. How are you going to get to know your Savior unless you spend some time in his word? You see, he's given us a revelation of who he is. He has shown us this. He gives us his word. And if we start getting in his word, <clears throat> not to gain knowledge that we can, but to gain relationship. Let me tell you, when you do personal devotions, it's not about, when I do my personal devotions, it has nothing to do about me studying for a sermon or to teach or preach or any of those things. When I do personal devotions, it's about me wanting to know Jesus more. And see, I want you to approach your devotions that way. That's what studying is about. It's approaching so I can know you more. So I can, God, so I can have a little more understanding of who you are. So I can, I want to study and, and, and read in your word the things that, that, that please you and the things that displease you. And you may be surprised at some of the things that displease God that we think are okay. And I want to know him. I want to know him imminently. And the more, the closer I, I get as I study God's word, the more I know him, the more I want to obey him, and the more I love him. That's what spiritual discipline is about. And let me tell you something. Sometimes in churches we have been, I don't know if we've been taught wrong 
or we've been received or we receive it wrong. And, and again, I'm going back to this. I want to more and more emphasize that keeping this list of, of spiritual disciplines out of a I got to do this so I can be better. It, it, that's not the point. The point is you keep them to know God. Okay, it's not a it's not a legalistic um, list of things to do your do's and don'ts so you can be the good Christian. It's a list of things that will draw you closer to your Savior, and the result of being closer to your Savior is that you'll be an amazing Christian. Study. Second, prayer. Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Prayer. What's your prayer life like? I got to tell you, I, I get so frustrated sometimes when I read about prayer and I read about these guys who've worn uh, worn grooves in their floors from being on their knees so long and 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 you know every time I try to pray a long long time if I if I try to pray a long time I fall asleep yeah you do too or you get bored or uh, as I'm trying to pray really hard my all sorts of wicked crazy stuff goes flashing through my mind I know I'm, it's the devil fighting it and the Bible says we're always to be in an attitude of prayer. It says pray without ceasing. It's talking to God. <laughs> when I was up there, uh, my brother-in-law's nephew, his name's Eric, and uh, Eric is clergy in the Methodist church. And uh, on Saturday afternoon, the whole family was over, and um, I just kind of sat there and didn't say a whole lot. And uh, because I was, I was there to help and to sometimes, let me give you a hint. When you're with people who are suffering and mourning and grieving, you, you don't think you have to say something. Because if you think you have to say something, normally what you say is not going to be, no, it's going to be something silly. And I could say stronger words, but I'll be good. So it's okay to be quiet. You don't have to answer everything. They'll talk to you if you want to talk. But Eric was there, and as the family was all getting ready to leave, and it was just going to leave my, my sister and my mother and I, all joined hands, and Eric prayed. Man, he was eloquent in the way he prayed. I thought, man, I wish I could be that eloquent. I'm not eloquent. I'm kind of to the point. You know, I, I, I didn't have a whole lot of flowery things. and this, Man, Lord, heal this up and fix it. I have microwave prayers. And, you know, some people get so intimidated about praying. Let me tell you something. You don't have to use King James language to pray. My friend Lee, he will talk about his testimony. Uh, the time he reached out to God all to, and, and he believed for salvation, he just reached out and said, help me. You see, we are just to pray. And, and those of you who are a little bit worried about that, um, in Romans chapter 8, it tells us that the, the Holy Spirit takes our prayers. 
And he makes intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. I love that, that language. So I, when I finally understood that, I, it didn't, I knew that I didn't have to pray in some flowery language or some eloquent way that the Holy Spirit took care of that all for me. I could just be me and talk to God. Okay? That's what it is. I talk to him all the time. All the time. So I was driving to driving up to, to uh, Georgia. I, I talked to him a lot. My mom was talking to me the whole time. And, uh, but I, I kept praying. And when I came back, I talked. It was great. I, I turned the radio off for most of the way and just prayed. And, and yeah, I, talk, I can talk to him all the time. It'll be, you know, that's what it means to be in an attitude of prayer. I just talk to him. You can just talk to him. You don't have to be like in the, the Pharisees and standing out in the front and making a big show of it. Just talk to God. Talk to Him. Now I have a time every morning uh, that when I get up, I go take a shower so I can wake up. And then I walk in and since he has my cup of coffee sitting right next to my chair, I sit down, take a sip of coffee, get my Bible, I go through. This is a routine. And, I, and I'll pray and i got a prayer list and, and things there. But I pray constantly. When, when I see something on Facebook where somebody is asking to pray, I will not remember to pray later, so I pray right then. Somebody gives me, I pray right then. Because I'll forget. The older I get, the more I forget. Prayer. Can I tell you, if you want to narrow down spiritual disciplines, it can be this. Read your Bible and pray. Someone once told me that every sermon can be narrowed down to read your Bible and pray. But that's so true. Spiritualist number three, fasting. Philippians 3.19, he's talking about some folks, Paul's talking about them. But he says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Fasting is, is abstaining from eating for spiritual reasons. It is a focused time of spiritual dependence on God to sustain you, almost always accompanied by prayer. That's what fasting is. I think in, in our day-to-day, -day, there are some things that we can fast from that may not be food. I will meddle. Fast from social media. Because it just makes you crazy. Yeah. There's always somebody who's going to put something out there that's going to hit you wrong, and you're going to have this great desire to, to, uh, to respond and then and, and, and just get rid of it for a while. I'm fasting from national news. I watch the local news for a little while, mostly the weather. Um, I like to get sports. I'll, I'll, I'll check out some different websites so I can be informed of what's going on. And even as I get informed, I just, ah. Those of you who are addicted to the news, first of all, it's not news. It's all opinion and, and commentary. Okay, understand that. And it's all geared to make money. Yes. Understand that. And then understand this. Other than your civic duties within the local area of being of voting and being involved in local 
politics and um, and and there's not a lot more you can do. And then always understand that God's in control of it all anyway. So maybe we should fast from some of those things. And I know this is a rabbit trail. Maybe we should separate from some of those things so that we can get a better picture of God. We can draw closer to him. We can rely on his power to get us through these things. Just like believers all over the rest of the world who don't have it as good as we do, do every day. Study, pray, fast, confession. I read this one, I thought, huh. Then I read some scripture that goes along with this. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Confession is an admission of sin followed by repentance. Confession can be either private between you and God or personal between you and a, a trusted believer or public between you and everybody. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James says in uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Sometimes we just need to fess up that we messed up. And what is our first, what is the very first reaction that comes out of us when we are confronted with something we've done wrong? Oh, not me. <laughs> I just, just in saying that, I just remember the, the little com comic in the newspaper. I don't get the papers anymore. I don't know if it's still in there. Family Circus. There's the two little characters, not me. There's one other one. Or he did it. <laughs> I don't know. It's always, I didn't do it. No, uh, no, no, I didn't. You can, you can catch somebody red-handed and they're going to say, no, I didn't do it. I have three children that would practice that extremely well. <laughs> and then after, then they come up with other excuses. Hey, just confess it. Confess it. Man, I messed up. Nobody likes that because it, it hurts or wounds our pride, right? Fess up. Confess it. By the way, you do it between you and God. Do it between a trusted believer. That would be somebody that was a, a, a partner that you would have that, that, that you could talk to about everything. And it says, you know, even James says we can confess one another. Be careful with that one, though, because there's so many gossips there's so many people that just take things, twist it, and by the way, you know definition of gospel is talking about somebody else with a twist to make you look better. Stay away from that stuff. Confession. Maybe you need to confess that you're a gossip today. I don't know. Worship. Worship. First Chronicles 16, 29. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in beauty of holiness. In many churches, we made the word worship synonymous with singing, but it's so much more than that. The English word worship comes from the Saxon word weatherskype that's involved to the word worship. So when we speak of worshiping God, we mean responding according to his worthiness. We are showing his worth 
when we worship. And yes, we do that through song. Yes, we do that through prayer. Yes, we do that through, through our, our, our fellowship. We are to always put God to the first. I'm excited, uh, just a little, another little rabbit trail, because uh, I'll finish these up pretty quickly. Um, I talked to Corey Kirshner, our missionary to Taiwan. They're coming home. Um, they get back late April. They've already spent four years on the field, believe it or not. They're coming home for their uh, furlough. They're going to be living in the back apartment building. We're making that into a house for them and their two children. We're uh, updating and cleaning and painting and, and all sorts of things. Um, and we're going to allow them to be there. And they're going to spend some time on the road raising support. But they want to be involved. And I remember that Jessica plays piano. She can play traditional piano, and she can play some of the contemporary, so we can have a very nice blended service. We'll get a few more voices up there, but she can play. Yeah. I think Corey plays bass. And, uh, yeah. So we're going to upgrade some of that, just so you all know. By the way, I'm real happy that we have what we have, because what we have is real. It's not a show. I'm not hiring people to come in and, and produce some sort of uh, experience. What we're doing is out of our heart, Amen. and that's worship. Okay, spiritual discipline number six, fellowship. Acts 2.42, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and, and in prayers. Boy, prayer just keeps coming up, doesn't it? We tend to think of fellowship as a social activity, but it's more than that. It's more than just small talk. Fellowship is about being united as a body of believers, encouraging one another to follow Jesus. Jesus lived in constant fellowship with God the Father. You know, he always prayed to God. He stayed connected. He also was in fellowship with his disciples. Jesus knew that fellowship would be challenging. Before he was arrested and, and crucified, Jesus prayed for all believers that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And by the way, fellowship doesn't happen by accident. Hebrews 10, 24, and, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. You see, it's not just eating. That's, you know, every time we're having a fellowship, we're going to eat. And a good Baptist fellowship always has fried chicken. Well, at least a good Baptist who are from the South. No, fellowship is when we're together. You want some great fellowship? Uh, Fridays as we're giving out food out here. You got a team of people, they're working, they're, they're encouraging, they're praying, they're handing out food, they're being a blessing. That's great fellowship. And I know they all come away from there tired but blessed. It's great to be together in here and have some time. We drink the coffee and we talk and we encourage one another. You see, that's what it's about. It, it, it's, it, it's being a family. 
I don't know how many of you have your family close, but I'm going to say most of you probably don't. I, I, I'm, I'm fortunate. My one daughter, Gretchen, lives here. Um, my son and grandsons and daughter-in-law live two and a half hours from here to the north over by Disney World. I mean, six miles from Disney World. And then my daughter and son-in-law and my gorgeous little granddaughter, they live two and a half hours south and east in Fort Lauderdale. Okay, And some of y'all, your family lives out of state. My, one of my sisters lives in, in Palmetto. My mother lives in Bradenton. Uh, my, uh, my cousin, I have two cousins living in Tennessee and their families. And we used to hang out together all the time, but we can't really do that. Maybe I need to go to Tennessee. Um, man, our family is spread out. Okay. You have a family here. You have a family here. We need to be family. We need to encourage one another. We need to love each other. And, 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 and maybe at times we need to correct each other out of love, not out of, you know, with the right attitude. We need to work at that. And we need each other. You know, in God's economy, there are no lone rangers. But if you think about it, even a lone, you know, this is a terrible joke. Even a lone ranger had Tonto. Yeah, I've, I copied that from somebody. That's not original. It's not off of Siri, though. All right, spiritual discipline number seven, rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you that labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Today, the spiritual discipline of rest requires more discipline than ever. You know, with the modern technology, it, it, it has made us always accessible. We rarely disconnect from the internet. We can, you know, sometimes I hate this thing right here. Turn it off. Yeah, it's hard to do that because I feel like I got to be available for everybody all the time. I got to rest. There's got to be rest. We have got to take some time out and rest. We suffer from busyness, yet most spiritual discipline books always, most spiritual discipline books don't ever talk about rest. God instituted the discipline of rest. He created the world in what? Six days, right? And what did he do on the seventh? He modeled it for us to rest. He showed us that we needed to rest. We must rest. Let me tell you, God has a way. If I go too long, too far, too hard, I'll get sick. And he makes me rest. We all need to be careful and we need to rest some. I know most of us get our value of how good we work and how hard we work and how much we do. There's a little bit of a thing that, yep, I work real, so hard. There's a great, great value in knowing, Lord, when you rest. Rest. By the way, rest doesn't mean hitting Disney. That's not rest. <laughs> it can be fishing. Some people work real hard as they fish. Rest. Spiritual difference number eight, celebration. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. In celebration, we rejoice in God's many blessings and remember his faithfulness. Now, 
it, there's a little caveat here. We can get a little bit too celebratory at sometimes. It can get excessive, but no celebration is also bad. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon says um, that it's good and fitting to eat, drink, and enjoy the fruit of our labor and, and the money and the possessions that God has given us because this is a gift of God. I was thinking the other day, I'm looking around my house, the projects I'm writing down that we need to do, and I don't know if they'll, when they'll get done or if they'll get done. Um, but I look around, I'm blessed. Man, I got so much cool stuff. Why am I not celebrating how much I got? Every time I pull in my driveway, my old truck, I don't want you guys to get me wrong. I drive a 30-year-old Ford pickup truck, and I love it. Okay, I'm going to do some work for it. It's going to make it better and better. But I love that old truck. And when I pull into my driveway and I see my old bass boat there, I love that old bass boat. I'm going to do some work on it too. But I love that. That, that just I celebrate that. That is such a cool, great thing. Man, the fact that I have a bass boat that will run 40 miles an hour and I'm not stuck on a pontoon boat button, button around. I did that for you because you know you're... Fran's brother and I grew up driving boats, and her brother drives fast boats. No, he won't get on a pontoon boat. There's just something about it. You, I can't. I won't either. I'd, I'd feel like I'd. Man, you might as well put me out the pasture if that happens. Fast boats. Fast boats. We need to rest. We need to celebrate. Spiritual discipline number nine: service. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. The discipline of service is a direct assault on our pride. Service requires humility. We humble ourselves before God and take on the posture of a servant, putting God and others ahead of ourselves. I'm going to brag on myself for a minute, but not really. Um, my um, sister's stepson and his wife and children came uh, one day and were spending time and they were ministering. And they had two children. And uh, two kid, one of the kids wanted to go outside and then the other one would go outside. And, you know, they're trying to take care of things. So I took the kids and we went and played outside. I didn't have to do that. But, but that's a service. I saw something that needed to be done, and I made two buddies. We came back in and watched a little bit of uh, Disney, uh, let's see, Mickey Mouse Playhouse. Ooh, that was a service, too. <laughs> service. When you serve, you're, you're taking time from yourself to give to others that'll draw it that's just what Jesus did okay spiritualist number 10 generosity I have showed you in all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive generosity is more about than more than just giving it's changing the way you think about and manage your resources Proverbs eleven twenty four. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, 
And there is that withholdeth more than is meet, but it tendeth to poverty. Ecclesiastes 5.10, Him that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. The reason we should be generous is that nothing we own really belongs to us. It's all God's. Psalm 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. We get to manage it. Number 11, chastity. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Chastity is the discipline of being, uh, is a discipline because of all our natural inclinations draw us toward sexual immorality. We must be disciplined to flee it and to pursue pure thoughts and actions. It doesn't mean celibacy. Some may be called to celibacy, that's between them and God. It means freely enjoying God's gift within the bounds of marriage, as God created it to be. But unless we are married, chastity requires abstinence. Listen, God has the best. Don't settle for less. Spiritual discipline number 12, disciple making. By the way, I would not have put this one at the end. I would have put it up higher, but... Again, I'm following somebody else. A, a guy named uh, Brandon Higglemom put this together. Spiritual discipline 12, disciple making. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe um, all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. It's a spiritual di- discipline because it doesn't happen by accident. To make disciples, as the Bible commands, we have to actively seek out opportunities to share the gospel, to baptize new believers, to teach them how to obey everything that Jesus commanded. Our goal is to become more like Christ. And if we're going to uh, become more like Christ, we have to participate in his mission. To become more like Christ, we got to get close to him. We have to study. We have to pray. We have to follow him. We have to depend upon him you see if we try to do any or all of these things out of our own strength we'll be like those disciples we'll fail because they weren't connected to the power when we respond in love these disciplines will start coming in our life and you will see how God can do anything to those who believe. It's all about knowing him. Here this morning, you never trusted Christ as your savior. See, it all goes right back to the gospel. It's trusting Christ as your savior. Putting your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to take away your sins. Please don't leave here if you've never done that. If you're here and you've worked so hard to try to make things right and you try to behave and you try to fa- behave and you keep failing and you're getting, to, and you're getting a little on the uh, uh, frustrated side and say, why, I just can't do this. No, you can't and I can't. But as we know our Lord Jesus, he can do that through you.
Because all things are possible to him that believes. Let's start practicing some of these spiritual disciplines. Maybe put one a week in your life or one a month. Just start, start small. And you'll see how it all works together. And you know what all those spiritual disciplines come out to? Us following Jesus. Let's pray. Father, uh, I'm so very thankful for you. Lord, you're, you're so good. Lord, I can, uh, I can never love you enough. Thank you that you love me despite my shortcomings. Lord, thank you that I can know you and follow you. Lord, I can do it joyfully, not as a burden, but as a celebration of what you've done for me. I ask now that you be with our folks, be with these folks, help them to know you, to follow you. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, give them the, the courage and the humility to come to someone who can take your word and show them from Scripture how they can know, how they can know you and know they have eternal life. And we'll praise you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, lots of stuff going on. Don't forget, those of you who are new to the church or want to know more about us, sign up. Um, we'll have lots of goodies. And uh, we'll have my favorite, cheesecake. And, uh, but be sure and do that. Uh, really, if you can at all make it, please try to be involved in the Friday night, um, Saturday thing. Uh, that's preparing. It'll do, two, it'll do several things. It'll prepare you to follow and be obedient to Christ. It'll prepare if all things go sideways in this world and they no longer allow us to meet in this building. You're prepared to do it at your home with people around you. See, we're prepared to do anything, whatever it takes, to follow our Lord. So I want to encourage you to be part of that and uh, all sorts of other things. I want you guys to have a great and blessed week. Uh, no deep dive tonight because we're having supper, <laughs> right? Thank you. You're dismissed.